0: This episode of Truth Table is brought to you by Truth Table. By Truth Table, Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama's pop bookstore, go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. And in Varsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com and Broadleaf Books, whose mission is to inspire transformation in readers and their communities to foster a more open, just, and compassionate world. Broadleaf Books is an imprint of 1517 Media. Learn more at broadleafbooks.com. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth Table, big of culture for grace and truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, See How you doing, duh. I'm doing good, you know? I got on one of my favorite colors. See, the people,
1: unless you're on Patreon, you won't know (laughs) that... But I got on my yellow sweater today. Yeah. I'm feeling like sunshine. I'm feeling like sunshine. And you have this fabulous coat on. I do. Talk talk to the people. I'm trying I'm trying to get y'all to, to join the Patreons, the by the way. It's the my recording it's the of our
0: outfit. My recording <laughs> is cold. So I was like, what is funky but warm? So I was like, I'm okay, on my <laughs> orange coat. Okay. There you go. Orange lipstick to match. So yeah. there y'all you come go. Here there you on so go. Go. you can see our fashions. Our fashions. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, y'all, we are still in our State of the Black Church series. Oh, my goodness. It's been really, hasn't it been good, C? Has it been good to you?
1: It has been. It has been enlivening, you know. The other day, just rabbit trail time, rabbit trail time. <laughs> the other the other day, my mother uh, sent me a, a text picture of uh, of my grandparents who I never who I never met. So they passed away long before I was born, but it was a picture of them in the 1950s, um, uh, um, amongst uh, you know a, t- a team of leaders mm-hmm. at their local church, New Shiloh Baptist in Baltimore. And um, I don't. It just it was beautiful to see their faces. Yeah and to just be reminded of this this legacy that I'm not not just a daughter but a granddaughter a great-granddaughter of the black church tradition. Anyway, I just I just drew so much uh, strength from seeing those faces that look a little bit like mine. Um and it is a it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to to have that as a part of my own heritage and to share that with my kiddos. So that that's part of what this series means Absolutely. to me, um to to give honor where
0: honor is due and to also have honest conversations, right? Even about the places that we love. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, no, that's honestly the perfect segue, y'all. So we are this is this episode is about preaching, okay? Come on, you can't now. have a, Come on a series about the state of the black church without talking about preaching. And so we brought, I mean or or well, let me say, they have graciously <laughs> We, we brought and we we went and found. Come here, <laughs> Our invitation to come to the table. Um, I'm really, really honored to be sitting at the table with Reverend Dr. Kenyatta Gilbert and Reverend Dr. Nichelle Goodry. Welcome to the table. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Thank I'm you so, so much
2: to be
3: it's here. A delight. Yes. I love the table. I'm so excited
0: to finally be at the table. Oh, <laughs> you, you know we had to get you at the table. We we just had to figure. We're like, okay, okay. What episode we're like preaching? That's it. Oh I guess. that's it. That's oh, it. <laughs> so excited. So excited.
4: So excited yes. I like to be with all three of you. This is this yes. is fantastic. Thank you.
0: I'm I'm excited. So I'm excited to learn from y'all. I really am. Your preaching has moved me and I'm excited to learn. And so just in case our sisters at the table do not know who you all are, let me go ahead and read a little something about y'all. Okay. Uh, starting with Dr. Goudry. Okay. Reverend Dr. Nichelle R. Goudry currently serves as the Dean of the Chapel and the Director of the Wisdom Center at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. She is a spiritual daughter of New Creation Christian Fellowship of San Antonio, Texas, where the Bishop David Michael Copeland and the Reverend Dr. Claudette Anderson Copeland are her pastors and where she was ordained to ministry in 2010. She is a graduate of Clark Atlanta University and Yale Divinity School, where she was the 2010 recipient of the Walcott Prize for clear and effective public I mean public and pulpit teacher, speak, speaking, I'm sorry, and the 2019 recipient of the William Sloan Coffee Alumni Award for Peace and Justice. She is also a graduate of Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, where she completed her Doctor of Philosophy in the area of liturgical studies with a concentration in homiletics, Her dissertation is entitled Towards a Womanist Homiletical Theology for Subverting Rape Culture. She is a 2020 initiate into the Martin Luther King Jr. International Chapel Collegium of Scholars at Morehouse College and the founder of Black Girl Black Coffee, a specialty coffee company that centralizes the voices and stories of Black women Welcome to the table, Dr. (laughs) Goudry. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, E. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. And. The Reverend Dr. Kenyatta R. Gilbert, professor of homiletics at Howard University School of Divinity, is a nationally recognized expert on African-American preaching, a prolific writer, an off featured expert on Black preaching, civil rights, and social justice. Dr. Gilbert has authored countless sermons and classroom lectures, as well as four books, Exodus, Exodus Preaching, Crafting Sermons About Justice and Hope, A Pursued Justice Black preaching from the great migration to civil rights, the journey and promises of African-American preaching and just living, which I just received, meditations for engaging our life and times. His writing has also been featured by such outlets as PBS, NewsHour, Sojourners, Word and Way, and The Conversation. In 2011, he launched a preaching project, a ministry aimed at equipping ministers to better serve African-American churches and communities. Dr. Gilbert is married to Dr. Allison Blow-Gilbert, a pediatric physician, and the Gilberts have three daughters, Olivia, Ella, and Ava. Welcome to the table, Dr. Gilbert.
4: Thank you so much, ENC and Dr. Gidry. It's a pleasure, just a pleasure to be on this um yeah. podcast with you.
3: I'll be with you too, yeah. Dr. Gilbert. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, so we are beside ourselves. I mean, I when I think about um some I always say that I'm a person who lives Sunday to Sunday. Right. And I am I'm I so appreciate um The preach word, yes, it has been a lifeline for me. (laughs) It has, it has pulled me out of ditches, some of which I didn't even know that I was in until the light, the light showed up to to let me know what I was surrounded by. And so, I just have a deep value for people um, who who preach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, even when we're talking about this, and both both of you are are preachers, preachers, but in in addition to that, you understand the mechanics of preaching. So that's, we want to start off just real wide lens macro. What is preaching? What is, what, uh, what is the definition? What is the distinctive? of it? And if you don't mind, walk right into what, what is Black preaching?
4: You want me you to start? To start that thing? Okay, okay. Yeah, sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll start. Um, I, I always um, first talk about working definitions because I think mm. when we try to come to some consensus, it's, it's very difficult and challenging. Um, so for me, the working definition is preaching, which I call trivocal preaching, which is sort of looking at preaching through the lens of the prophet, priest, and the sage. Yeah. So it is a theo-rhetorical discourse that's God's speech
2: mm-hmm.
4: about God's goodwill to community with respect to divine intentionality, communal care, and the active practice of hope. Mm. That's internal to the life of black persons in North America. So that's that's essentially how I how I think about preaching okay. through those through that framework.
5: Hmm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Building upon that, the um, only sort of nuance I'll add is you know, preaching is an intrinsically public discourse. That is um, embedded in the life of the church, in the communal life of, of the believers, um, where we are intentionally sort of naming and lamenting and celebrating um, our lived experiences towards the end of, of finding and mining the good news of what God is doing now and what in the good news of what God has done in the person of Jesus the Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in response to in my opinion, what makes preaching black? Mm-hmm. Um this is a great question. And there's probably a thousand and one different ways to to respond to this question. But to me, what makes preaching black is that there's a sense of 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 um oratorical um lineage, right, that is present when the Black preacher proclaims. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain sense in which Black folks have utilized modalities such as storytelling and musicality, rhythm and timing um, to bring the words to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and while many of us have sort of grown up with this idea that's, that, that sort of this hooping tradition is, is what makes preaching Black there's also this beautiful tradition, uh, a lesser-known tradition in in black preaching lineage, where we have utilized the modalities of of pausing and elongating our our words and silence mm-hmm. um, to to convey the point of the preacher as well. Um and so I, I think for me, what makes preaching black, is that it harkens back to the ways that we have utilized these means to convey the message Mm -hmm. um, that are deeply entrenched in our identity and our sort of DNA as black people in diaspora.
0: Yes, man. So good. Oh my gosh. You know what? I I'm, I'm thinking as you all are both speaking, I'm actually thinking about the person that's either sitting at the table or standing in the standing room section. Hey y'all, Hey (laughs) y'all, you know, and they're thinking, you know, um, I feel like I've been called to preach, you know, but that maybe they feel insecure, right? Because they don't have, you know, all of the, you know, all all of the the hooping down, right? Or the pauses down. They don't feel like they've mastered the art of black preaching, right? I'm talking about black folks, you know, and they feel like, you know, I can, I, I feel like I got a gift for preaching, but I can't preach like this person. I can't, I'm more like a teacher, you know? So, and you know, the saying more is caught than taught. Can the art of Black preaching, can that be taught or is it caught? Mm-hmm. What say you? That's,
4: good. That's, good. That's a great question. Good. I do, really, I, I'm uh, talking
0: about myself because really I be teaching. I'm not going to feel like I be
4: preaching. Go ahead.
0: So- <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's so good. And I love this question because I actually had this very conversation oh. um, with a student in discernment right now mm-hmm. just on Sunday. Um, who asked a question about the sermon I had just preached and was like, Dean, I don't think I could ever do it like that. And my response was, I don't think the intention is that you would ever do it like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, because, I, you know, I lo- and I, I love this language of the art of preaching. And I, usually, I I like to speak of it as an art and a craft, because it is something that, in um, as much as we are endowed with supernatural gifts, yeah. Right. Like any gift. Right. It is it is incumbent upon the recipient of the gift to hone the gift, Mm -hmm. um, which is where people like Dr. Gilbert as a homiletics Mm -hmm. professor um, comes in. Right. Um, Because there is a a craft to it. And by craft, I mean, there is an entire framework for the theory of it Mm -hmm. and for the practice of it. From being able to locate yourself as a preacher within a, a certain lineage or tradition of preaching um, there's a, an entire vernacular yeah, to right. support the study of preaching. And, and so when we're talking about mechanics and we're talking about crafts, what we're talking about is honing and practice, right? That as much in as much as God gives us gifts, the gift is honed
2: yeah.
3: um, and, 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 and perfected, if you will, by virtue of our practice and mm. our commitment to the practice, mm. which inevitably means you have to have a teacher or a coach or someone that, you know, helps to hone the gift. Um, I could keep talking about this, but I would say in as much as it is caught, as many as, as we are, re- are recipients of gifts, we are also then as stewards of the gift, right? Yeah. Called to practice it and to hone it and to get it to the place of, of, of maximum impact. Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. Wow. How
4: about well, you, Dr. Gilbert? <laughs> you got it. You got it. You know, I think many of us are unconsciously competent, right? But often we don't have the grammar, the grammar around that, which we, we do. Mm-hmm. And I see myself as more of a facilitator in helping folks discover um, who they are, what they bring to the moment of preaching. And so, um as Dr. Gidry and I were just talking uh regarding the inner life of the preacher, mm-hmm. I think when that is cultivated in a way where the um, the preacher has more clarity about just simple purpose, what is my purpose right. in life right. what is my what is my gift structure exactly. what 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 am I also doing in order to Uh, to hear from God and to enhance my understanding of what it means to be called to preach, because clearly you're going to be uh, thrust in various spaces where you'll feel inadequate, maybe even insecure. But knowing that spiritual formation is coupled with one's, uh, one's work as a preacher I think gives that sense of 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 clarity and gives you a sense mm-hmm. of 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 uh, it's never mastery of course but gives you a sense of competence to mm-hmm. do the work that you're doing and I just mm-hmm. I I think what we don't do enough of is collaborate so that we'll see that one gift may enhance another's
5: mm-hmm.
4: or um, we can have more conversation theologically because we share these different perspectives on preaching.
1: Mm, so, mm-hmm.
4: so that's, that's, yeah. that's what I would offer.
3: Yeah. It's I so also, rich. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead, go for it. I was just thinking about yeah. um, what Dr. Gilbert said in terms mm-hmm. of collaboration. Yeah. And also the way the question was framed, because I think the way preachers have, the way preaching functions in the black church
5: mm.
3: in many of our settings, <laughs> everything that happens before preaching is to set the preacher up right. and everything that happens after preaching is to just buoy up and to solidify what the yeah. preacher said. And so <laughs> preaching a preaching and preachers are like very, uh, they're adored and yeah. borderline yeah. celebritized yeah. sort yeah. of figures in the black church now. And as people who are participating in Black church culture, I think that it's important to kind of talk about like the the ways that we relate to these preachers
5: yeah.
3: in terms of influencing our own gifts. Right. Because if we're not careful, it is very, very, very easy and very seductive to go down that rabbit hole of mimicry, right? right? Of mimicking Absolutely. the preachers yeah. that inspire us, um, and 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 that. I think that that has its place when you're learning how to preach, Mm -hmm. because there were certainly years where I felt like if I could just preach like my spiritual mother, (laughs) I could preach like Pastor C, I'm good, right? (laughs) But there comes that point in the life of the preacher where, in the words of of the one and only Howard Thurman, Mm -hmm. the sounds of your own genuine must come across in the sound of your preaching. That's right. And you have to kind of be able to distance yourself from the people that have inspired you and be able to say, these are my models and my muses. But what I really want to enflesh is myself Mm. when I come to the pulpit to preach. And that is a process.
2: (laughs) (laughs) deeply Spiritual process. (laughs) And it happens
3: over years, you know? And so to that person that's discerning the call, Give I would say, just ooh, take your time, take mm-hmm. your time,
2: yeah that's kind of mm-hmm. good advice
1: yeah. you know mo- most of our listeners um and I don't have the data on this, but I'm guessing <laughs> most of our most of our listeners aren't preachers
5: mm-hmm.
1: um there there's probably a disproportionate amount who listen to preachers and have kind of a list of the people who they enjoy listening to and learning from, right, and so it so I, I typically try to find a question about. How do we, those of us who may not mm-hmm, be preachers, mm-hmm. what do we bring to the table? Because this idea of collaboration, yeah, sure. I think it's, I think it's so important to. Totally. Um, the accountability, the health, the flourishing of the community, and that mm-hmm. we're bringing something to the table yeah. as well so the yes, kinda, the symbiotic nature of preaching in the black church to me is one of the most beautiful parts of it mm-hmm. that the mm-hmm. the, inter- the interaction, the movement All back and fine. forth absolutely so uh, so so talk to the people in the pews yeah, and yeah. what what is it that we need to show up with in yes. order to help to shape Uh, to serve, to empower, to hold accountable the preachers that are before us? What, what's, what's our role in this collaboration? Yeah.
4: Yeah. I would think first of all, that, um, Mm. persons in the pew, they value the preacher's honest wrestling with scripture, right?
2: Yeah.
4: Uh, Even if uh, we don't get it right as preachers there, there's a sense that we want the preacher to do well. Um, but we're listening for certain things. We're listening, how, how attentive is, is the preacher uh, to scripture, how, um, what yes. informs that person's theology? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Can this preacher have uh, an adequate feedback loop so that they are not celebritized as Dr. Guidry has, has mentioned, to the yeah. place where they've insulated themselves from criticism and accountability and thus, def- and therefore, begin to uh, uh, to, mi- to to diminish themselves as well as uh, find themselves on this on this on this island um, yeah. with the persons who are listening, still expecting that preacher um, to do these wonderful, uh-huh. uh, grandiose things, and that's not that's not a good dynamic. It's mm. it's often. Uh it challenges the moral clarity of the preacher um the preacher i think also has to be um has to has to have some boundary c- clarity around um how much that preacher can engage the culture and also retain a sense of of deep spirituality that can um propel that preacher to do the work that um she or he must mm-hmm. must do
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About you, Dr. not Yeah. yeah um,
3: I think, yeah, spot on, Dr. Gilbert. Um, I do also just agree and just have to ashe that one of the things I love so much about black church preaching is how communal it is. Yeah. Um yes. just the tradition of call and response. Yes. You know, um, there is a certain way that, you know, preachers sort of I don't want to say we feed off of the energy, but mm-hmm. there is a synchronicity and this, you know, magic that happens when preacher and people are on one accord. Mm-hmm. That's right. um, and oh, it's just beautiful. Um, however, one of the things i learned of I've learned over the years is black people don't always call and respond in the same ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, Learning, learning that you know the the nodding of the head is just as valid as the shout yeah. and the amen, yes. and and the shedding of the tear, you know, and and the silent lifting of the hand are all ways that you know you can let the preacher know you know amen somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. um, because it is deeply. It's meant to be a communal, a communal experience. Okay. Um. But you know, along the line of what Dr. Gilbert was saying, um I, I think that because we have we we have been honed in this tradition that is very much so call and response, sometimes, what does it mean for the preacher to be held accountable to standards of integrity
2: yeah. if
3: if there is no amen to say right um, how do we hold the preacher accountable for their rest? If we can feel that the t- the preacher is tired, mm-hmm. that's right. How do we hold the preacher accountable to their own further development and continuing education? Um, so these are things I, I think about often that the people can bring um, is understanding that the the preacher is also a person right. with 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 a body, right? That gets tired and that needs to be laid down sometimes. <laughs> um, a person that fails um and and also needs grace right to recalibrate and course correct mm-hmm. um and a person i think you know with boundaries in place you know also deeply desires to be a part of the community life in ways that are um that are not so um let me the way i want to say it is we just want to be people with the people sometimes Mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I often feel the shift in the room, like people start to sit up straighter, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and i it's like, can, can we just relax? Can we be together? And the kind of space Mm -hmm. that is created for mutual sharing and mutual hospitality, um, yeah is is also really important and something that I wish that we we would adopt more in in the black church, but because of the way that power has been executed in our settings and because of how many of us have been acculturated mm-hmm. to behave right when the preachers right. in the room there's um there's all there's 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 sometimes a chasm, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying let's be buddy, buddy, but I am saying. There are opportunities sure. um, for us to just practice our humanity and practice the art of community together. Hmm. And preachers, I can, if, if, if I'm only speaking for myself, that's that this might no, just be. Me. You
4: are we want that you're too. A, you're on point. You are on point. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think that's true.
0: I think that there are ways that we, um, we honor our pastors and preachers in ways that are inadvertently dehumanizing, I, it, which is, it's hard, you know, because we can, we can exalt them to like superhuman status. Right. And I think that is the struggle and the tension I think for us to work out, um, you know, as, you know, as, mm-hmm. as, as folks committed to the black church, I think that's something, it's, some, it's something yeah. that we struggle with. I think that honor is so important. It is important for sure in a world yeah, that is fun. allied against us, The church houses, we know where we can get honor, mutual honor, but how do we hold the reality of of that? that This person is human and that that they got real feelings and they watch real TV shows like you um, and they want to sleep in and, you know, just, you know, how do we hold that together? So Mm -hmm. I think that's a a growth area, if you know, um, Mm -hmm. if you will, you know, so. Let me take a quick commercial break because I got more questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do. We will take a quick commercial break and we will come right on back to the table. Don't go nowhere, (laughs) y'all. Truth's Table, Black women's musings on life, love and liberation is a classic in the making. According to Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggett, author of Black Joy Stories of resistance, resilience, and restoration. New York Times best-selling author, Dr. Jamar Tisbe, says that people often say, listen to black women, now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co founder of Girl Trek, says this There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin Bradford, founder of therapy for black girls says that truth table black women's musings on life love and liberation shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as black women leaving no stone unturned truth table black women's musings on life love and liberation is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth by truth table black women's musings on life love and liberation wherever books are sold After experiencing what she described as the crash, pastor, mother, and community leader Juanita Rasmus experienced both a major depressive episode and a spiritual dark night of the soul. When everything in her life finally came to a stop, she found that she had to learn to be with herself and with God all over again. Writing from her life with a kind of attention to the life of the reader, Pastor Juanita offers both practical and spiritual insights, but never pat answers. If you are longing for a trustworthy companion through dark days, this book is here for you. Each chapter including life-giving spiritual practices to help you discover your own new ways of being. Truth Table listeners can save 30% off and get free U.S. shipping on Learning to Be when they order at ivpress.com using promo code TRUTH22. That's promo code TRUTH22 at ivpress.com to get 30% off the book Learning to Be and free U.S. shipping. First and Only, What Black Women Say About Thriving at Work and in Life by Jennifer R. Farmer is a guidebook for black women who want to get to the place where opportunity matches talent without being hindered by race, class, gender, identity, and more. This engaging and accessible resource is for every black woman who has found herself closing the cover on yet another business leadership book convinced that something is missing. Trainer and activist, Jennifer Farmer, offers practical strategies for how to thrive in workplaces that can be ambivalent about Black women's success, as well as tips and stories from psychologists, activists, and organizational experts that equip us to lead others and heal past wounds. First and Only is not just about how to lean in or how to discover the irrefutable laws of leadership. It's also about healing so that we can sustain work for justice and equity. It's about finding personal and social redemption and leading other Black women to it, too. Get your copy of First and Only, What Black Women Say About Thriving at Work and in Life by Jennifer our Farmer. Now at broadleafbooks.com or anywhere books are sold. We are back at the table with Dr. Gilbert and Dr. Goodry. My goodness, okay, so I do have a question. You did bring up a good point, Dr. Goodry, but I I will bring that in. I wanna bring in the gender. I do wanna bring that in. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I have a question about what does the preacher owe the congregation? And this is what I mean by that. Uh, Now, I've been saved a long time. Not all my life, but for a long time. And I have had times, you know, where I have heard sermons where congregants were inserted, clearly inserted in sermons, um, where sometimes sermons, didn't say their name, but you knew, everybody knew who the preacher was talking about. Um, Times where sometimes the the, the sermons, where the preacher has weaponized the sermon against the Mm. congregants and the congregation, What does the preacher owe to the congregation when preaching? What is the responsibility of the preacher to the congregation? Let me say it that way. <laughs> yeah.
4: That's really good. Really good.
3: Well, yeah. confidentiality, clearly. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Step one. Step one. one. <laughs> <Step> one. <laughs> Consent. Then, okay.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, some in some spaces, <laughs> oversharing, oversharing is just pretty much the norm in some some spaces, and uh-huh. we have to be careful about that because it it is a double edged sword. Uh-huh. One of the things that um, I think preachers have to talk more about, but be better informed about, is depression. So uh-huh. you know, how do you how do you do that responsibly? First of all, I think you You educate yourself by you know Absolutely. reading um, getting the hard facts of the situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. understanding that this is uh, that things can be or have historically been spiritualized away, mm-hmm. and we have to really do a better job of educating our people, yes. letting them know that it's okay to be sad if you're a teenager. And that yes. there's help for you. Uh-huh. Uh, part of the work of pastoral counselors is to kind of help midwife that possibility of getting yes. getting getting well, giving you strategies on how to take care of yourself. And of course, everything is bathed in prayer, but prayer will lead you to a good therapist. Prayer will lead yes. you if you need medication to a good
2: <laughs> oh, <my> God, <laughs> come to on. a
4: good uh, CVS, right? <laughs> so you have to there think about. You know, the whole person, I think, in, yeah. in terms of the work that we're doing.
3: Mm-hmm. That's good. Absolutely. I, I think that's right. I think um just whatever you're going to be talking about in your sermonic moment, mm-hmm. um, you have to know that as somebody's preachers, you are somebody's foremost source of information. Mm. That's right. Um, and so that is... So that is um yeah, that's that's that that is an issue of stewardship. And so whatever you're talking about, to underscore what Dr. Gilbert just said, speaking knowledgeably, if you wanna you wanna speak up for example, during at the height of the pandemic, I I, the, for 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 many many weeks, the the extent of my engagement of COVID had to do with what I perceived as the emotional and spiritual ramifications yeah. and experiences. It took me weeks to talk about numbers wow. and statistics mm-hmm. and 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 the medical side of it mm-hmm. because I did not want to spread any kind of misinformation. Right, and when I did decide to do it, I ran the numbers by several colleagues mm-hmm. just to corroborate: is this right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and how can I present this in such a way to convey the dynamic nature of these statistics mm-hmm. changing every day? Um, and so, fact checking. Yes, fact checking you know? is good. <laughs> <up>. so <laughs> the source. It's so important. <laughs> Hey, like we yeah. owe our people truthfulness and factuality. We owe them realness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we owe them the ability to trust us as preachers uh, to place their trust in us. I think we also owe them um, inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I think about the importance of black preaching, right. Um one of the one of the reasons why this enterprise and this practice has become so so iconic right is because it's been central to the spiritual lives of people who utilize their faith and spirituality to make it over yeah, right yeah, absolutely. and the preacher um is a is is a critical sort of meaning maker mm, right absolutely. to to people who are trying to make meaning yes. of the stuff of our mm-hmm. lives and so what we owe the people inspiration for the journey, right? Um, a second wind, obviously, in concert and in co creation with the Holy Spirit. Yes. But how do we inspire the people? You right. know, I'm not saying like lift them out of their reality, yeah. right. but inspire them to lament the conditions, the lamentable conditions of our day, and to name them and to be honest, but to find a way through them, right? Mm. Um, and so, like to me, that raises a, an issue of like, well, how am I staying inspired as a preacher? Mm-hmm. you know what, what 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 does that look like for me? Mm-hmm. What is my creative life like? Mm-hmm. what is the content that I'm consuming to keep my interior life playful and to make my sermons playful mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. bring that inspiration into the sermonic moment
1: mm-hmm.
3: I call them inspiration
1: yeah. Thank you. you know you know we we live in a culture where you know, from its inception in the States, every, everything is for sale.
3: Totally.
1: Um, even an attempt to put, put put for sale the sacred, right? The, the human body on an auction block. And so it's, so it's so easy to commodify everything and everybody. And I certainly think that the preacher, even though as much as we've talked about kind of maybe misuse of power and authority, there's also a commodification of the preachers that they are there to provide a service that they, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. that they are there to tell me what I want to hear Mm -hmm. or I'm going to hold back, uh, my, my, my giving, right. Even in in the midst of a pandemic. Right. (laughs) And so the ways in which I have seen people attempt to manipulate the mouths of the preacher Mm -hmm. to say, or to shut up, Mm -hmm. uh, with money has been so disturbing <laughs> the way that I have seen that through the years. And, and yet when preachers stand with integrity, they've, they've got to push back against all of that and still say what is true. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that you have to have something deep down within you, a, a fortitude, a, a sense of knowing, um, beyond the, the bullying of the dollar or the bullying of expectations. And so really the, the interior life, the health, the groundedness of the preacher. So can you talk to us about how you, about your own interior life, mm-hmm. um, you know how are how are you hearing from the Lord? How are you caring for yourself and and also more broadly speaking, um, just give us some wisdom about preachers in general, ways in which to keep themselves healthy in the midst of all of these demands for their personhood
4: Wow. Yeah. That's a great question. And I, I sort of want to piggyback on what Dr. Gidry has mentioned in terms of inspiration. What inspires you?
5: Uh-huh.
4: Like really sitting still is helpful to, to me because I'm, I'm constantly engaging uh, students or my own children right. and, uh-huh. and it, could, it consumes a lot of energy, but I want to be available as uh-huh. best as I can be. And so um, it's easy to say, you know, sit with the word, study the word every day. I do that. I I pray, but my prayers are very specific in terms of realizing that God is always accessible. God is alive and active in the world. Hmm. So my prayer tends to be, Lord, just wake me up to what you're doing today. Let me, how can I join you in what you already doing? And so I think if I'm moving too quickly, I'm gonna miss it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If I if I've you know crowded my schedule, I'm I'm gonna miss it. And so I try to be as intentional as I can be. I don't I'm not always successful. <laughs> um, I don't think um, any of us always hit the mark, but I, I do I do try because if part of my work is to preach the good news and to offer. Uh, hope and to express that as God's promise to us, I need to believe the promise. I I, I need to believe that there's some, something available from a God who intervenes on the human plane. Yes, yes. yes, yes. Otherwise, I should not be preaching. Right. <laughs> if I if I don't trust that, so so that's. Um, that's, that's the way I think about it.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find myself actually getting very drained by preaching mm. um, because of the level. And it might just be like my low key OCD because <laughs> I feel like I just pour <laughs> every waking moment and every waking Thoughts mm-hmm. into this week's sermon, and <laughs> I am just like, this is not sustainable. Jesus, like, well, there has to be another way. Um, so, <laughs> I have become a lectionary preacher.
4: That's good. Good. That's actually very. And good. I was
3: never a lectionary preacher before. I had to, before I became an every week preacher or every other week preacher. Mm-hmm. But the sheer rigor of having to preach with any regularity has caused me now to just lean on the help of the lectionary <laughs>
4: Starting from scratch is sure. difficult. Yeah, yeah.
3: What'd you say, Dr. Starting
4: from scratch is just not Listen. it's not practical. Right. It's not.
3: Enough. Because it's just that's the word. It is not practical. So now like I'm just like Lord, what are the resources at my disposal right. as a preacher? Right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. <laughs> I need to help <laughs> <laughs> And so that's been really good for my um for my interior mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. that sort of mystical approach to mm-hmm. sermonic text discernment, and then mm-hmm. I gotta still exegete, and then I still have to construct, and then I still have to rehearse mm-hmm. it, Jesus. So <laughs> leaning on that, I mean I think also for me. As I've gone through this season of my ministry, I have I've, I've 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 asked God to just make me intentional about where where God wants to meet me at, right? Mm-hmm. And I have found that sitting with that and and hearing and feeling and experience God's response, I have I have had to broaden my own definitions of sacred mm, wow. and holy. Mm. Um Because I have found that God meets me in art museums Mm,
5: mm.
3: and God meets me when I turn everything off and I just listen to, you know, the new Robert Glasper album from, from Mm. point A to point B, point Z. I found that God meets me when I'm reading fiction and I am inevitably like really enjoying those moments, Right, right? right? oh gosh and just basking in the feeling of walking with God through the Blacksonian in the DC after every mm. every visit to the Blacksonian I come out with like six sermon prompts mm. because <laughs> I love it I'm just so deeply inspired um, by the artifacts by the sounds mm. by the the materiality of the things that you can touch in the museum mm. and I so being really intentional about, my own sense of the sacred and engaging it um, and and going after it, right? Like Dr. Gilbert said, space must be made um, yeah. to engage the divine. Yeah. Um, and while it might include spiritual disciplines, as we know them, it may also include other things. Yes, right.
0: absolutely. Right. Because we live before the face of God, you know? And mm-hmm. so I, and so, Barbara Glasper, the Blacksonian, like, yeah, we can encounter God in all of those various ways. Um, That's just how expansive and awesome our God is, right? Um, yeah, totally. So I... I have so many questions. I know we only got so much time, but, <laughs> and I'm like, which one do you want to ask right. girl? Which one? There's like two questions that are bubbling up. I do feel like <laughs> I want to ask y'all about the relationship between the preacher and the word, but, but maybe y'all can squeeze it in. I'm going to try to see if y'all can talk about this, but I, I really want to know, cause I think we, we are all old enough to know black preaching pre-social media yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in so, social media, because we not post social media. So, listen, so I, listen, that was my question. Not oh, that yeah. was your question? Okay, so yeah, can no, 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 go ahead. Can Do y'all talk way. about this and maybe weave in the preacher in the word? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'm sorry. To me, it seems like something's changed. Some things have. Shifted. Can y'all talk about totally what?
1: well the, the dynamics of multiple audiences at once. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah,
0: yeah, can y'all just help help oh, us walk yeah. walk through <laughs> through that? I know that's a whole episode in and of itself. I really do. I know. It
3: really is because there's so many different. I angles that we
4: can. <laughs> yes, that's...
3: Dr. Gilbert, go. Ahead. You go? You okay. started on this. You
4: know, I was hoping. I was hoping we talk a bit about biblical interpretation oh. and our engagement with scripture. Go for so, it. So you know, I think that's actually the most important task of the preacher is to interpret yes. God's word. Yes. And do that in a way that reflects integrity, uh-huh. that you appreciate God wor- God's word. God's word. But also you can sometimes read against things that are weaponized, communities that weaponize the scriptures yeah. for whatever ideological gain mm-hmm. that, you know, comes as a result of of using the text as a tool of oppression. Absolutely. So as Dr. Gidry has just mentioned, you know, there are so many opportunities to make meaning and then uh, perhaps bring that to our conversation with scripture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, I I just don't think it's one directional, mm-hmm. and the way in which many persons are taught in seminaries, I won't begin to name names. <laughs> um I do want to, but I, 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 I want to I want to suggest in that regard that we have to rethink pedagogy. We have to think about the way in which we uh, adopt and adapt certain practices that don't serve our people well Mm. and and often it's because we're trying to fit you know something that's uh square in a in 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 a round hole yeah Yeah. because we're not as familiar with the square right Mm. and so so i i i know that the next leg of my work is just to to think about what are some promising practices what are some best practices what are how can i use um the wisdom of of a people who've you know struggled with living as black people in our society Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. how do how do i how do i um push against those things that um continue to perpetuate this narrow way of looking at scripture and Mm -hmm. not really, um, seeing Jesus as, as the embodiment of something, um, that we need, that's not divided in this dualistic way in which our society, um, often seeks to do and to perpetuate. And that stuff gets into our churches and our congregants began to um, uncritically adopt things. And so, you know, yep. when I see you ladies, you have a book coming out, I'm thinking about, okay, the canon is expanding. Mm. So we don't always have to draw on the John MacArthur's and the Pipers. And, the, you know, I can go down the list. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> but, Absolutely. but when the, when the canon expands and we start drawing Amen. from a core, Amen. right, honor our core, yeah. We're able to I think address many of the issues that concern us
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's
4: good. I didn't mean to take that long
0: but no that was I'm great. passionate about that that was great you didn't answer yes yeah. <laughs> Dr. Goodry, what say you my sister <laughs> my sister what i what
3: i what I will say is as as a millennial um mm-hmm. I, I recognize that social media has served us well in some ways mm-hmm. um, it has enabled us to cast a wider net right um with the with the gospel and the proclamation yes. of the good news um for me personally it has also encouraged me and prompted me to be a little more succinct with my preaching right like get to the point <laughs> um <laughs> because attention spans right. Span, right that's right you know um and so, oh, for those who aren't able to see my hands, attention spans have decreased.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Join our Patreon so you can see it. Join the Patreon. Love,
3: love, love. So, in, that, in those regards, um, I, I do think the flip side of the coin is it has become very seductive to make your to make our sermonic points and our sermon theses into like sound bites yeah. and you know mm-hmm. tweets that may go viral and things like that um and you know for all intents and purposes i don't think that that is a vain ambition because you, you know i think you know you want to you be impactful but i think um there is a moral question at hand about about staging mm-hmm. and platforming mm-hmm. and you know what might be our 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 ambitions with wanting to go viral yeah, right yeah. um we have seen the consequences of preaching gone wrong go viral mm-hmm. and it is not good for the for the witness of the church no. um particularly in this era where the church is under a lot of scrutiny some of it well Earned, <laughs> um, so um, yeah. That's kind of where I'll poke with that. I'll, I'll also just yeah, pre-social media preaching. Um, there was an emphasis on the people in the room. Yeah, and and a true—I don't want to say care for people in the room, but to utilize the language of my homiletics professor, Dr. Leonora Tubbs Tisdale, congregational exegesis, Mm -hmm. where it was incumbent upon the preacher to know your congregation um, in preparation to preach to them. Um, And so what does it mean now to exegete a congregation that it could also include someone who is seeking or someone who is On another continent, or Mm -hmm. someone who only only watches online, because I will not step foot into a church. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot more to consider.
4: Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Let me let me say something in in respect Mm -hmm. to that because I think that's a an excellent excellent point. So, how do you begin to and and I'm I'm just throwing this out there. How do you how do you help people to resist? Um. Feeling as you as if you have to do so much work because you know when you preach online it's archived and you're thinking it's about it's archived it's frozen you are not like frozen in a moment and sometimes those sermons that you're preaching they don't have the they don't have the the opportunity to mature
5: yeah
4: and and often uh, yeah. we're judged by that moment and and I just find that that's regrettable. Uh, but it's also you know an opportunity as dr. Gitter has said to 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 make accessible that which you know was not so accessible mm-hmm. uh, pre hyper social media <laughs>
0: hyper
3: <is> so. right <laughs> yeah dr. Gilbert but you just you just took my mind back to one of the I don't want to say one of the first but like what when we saw what happened at Trinity United Church of Christ, mm. it yeah. became like a worst case scenario right. of what happens when our sermonic mo- a sermonic mm. moment is taken out of context. And I think that mm. is one of the greatest dangers posed to preachers right now mm. is that somebody mm-hmm. can decide, I'm just going to take a screenshot of this 10 seconds. That's right from within the body of this 18 to 24 minute sermon. And that's what I'm going to share. Mm. And the uh, I remember. Mm, mm. that was so painful to watch mm-hmm. and to see that happen to one of our great griots, yes. yeah. um, you know, but it, and you know, this is really something I would say to people in the pews. Like, don't do that. Like, don't do that to preachers. Mm, (laughs) Like, don't do Mm, that. Like, I know people want to capture the moment because they might be impacted or inspired because they want to be the one to like, you know, put it out there. Mm. But please consider what might be the consequences of that. Um, And now, Yes. Let me just, let me stop there. Right. Cause no, context really and good. nuance are everything, yeah, yeah, but there is a, there's a different There's a different kind of thing going on now where you could be preaching and someone could just be randomly that's recording true. you mm-hmm. and you don't know what's going to happen with the, with <laughs> with, 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 the, with your intellectual property, with your, the with the delivery of the moment, you know, it's just, you don't know. Mm.
1: No, I think, I think that's more than fair. And I, I, um, I think it goes back to that commodification.
3: Mm-hmm. It really does, and
1: and, and just the di- dishonor. And I think you know, for 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 the, for people that we know who know a thing or two about you know hate mail or threats, like words are powerful, oh, yeah, totally. And That's so you cool. know, you know what I say openly. I mean, you can quote me, <laughs> but but to snatch someone out of context, right, is is it really is a violation? You're pulling people's words to a place they did not intend them to go. So it's an integrity yeah. issue. Oh, um, i I, I want to end it um uh picking your brains because I'm just curious about uh what you would say or you know an example of one of your favorite sermons. I know in my mind there are sermons from my childhood and my adulthood that they're just that I can you know I've heard so many sermons in my life, and mm-hmm. most of them I honestly don't remember <laughs> but i but but does that not mean, mean they weren't edifying? I do believe they were working in me the way they needed to work but but there are a handful that they just when I, I can sit back and just remember so many different moments of it. So I'm wondering for, for each of you, <laughs> is there a sermon, whether it's from adulthood or childhood, that can come to mind that you feel like this this is a sermon that is a part of a part of changing me.
4: Yeah. Uh, it's hard to hard to do that with the living, you know? Um yeah. because I've I've heard so many great sermons uh as of late. Um, I would I gosh, don't ask me that question. That's just a bad question.
1: <laughs> let, 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 me, let, me, look, let me do a disclaimer for the people that's like, you need to say my name. Just 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 one of the many, many sermons <laughs> that you have heard. <laughs> just randomly snatch one. Could you know, and it could also be one of your favorite. It could be also, I mean, and I don't think it's bragging. It could even be one of the sermons that the Lord gave you to that's preach. True, yeah. That was personally transformative for you.
4: Okay. Ooh. We'll stay there. How about we we stay there and not uh, okay. okay. we'll names <laughs> out outside of ourselves?
3: Oh oh, wow. oh, no one's ever asked this question <laughs> you know,
4: really good, huh? that's a really good question <laughs> yeah,
3: uh, yeah. Well, my first response was going to be a sermon preached by pastor um Claudette anderson copeland i don't remember the title of the sermon but i remember her text was romans 8 mm-hmm. and in her exegesis she was talking about how did paul get to the point where he was able to say with confidence um i am persuaded Right, mm-hmm. like nothing can separate me from the love of God. Yeah. Um, and she goes and she does like a whole sort of narration of the, you know, of of Paul's life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the positions and the 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 power that he sort of forfeited mm-hmm. to become this mm-hmm. like ambassador of the gospel. Mm-hmm. What, what does it? it mean that he was then able to say, "I am persuaded." I was like, this is, this is why you go to seminary. <laughs> you can preach like this. Uh, <laughs> that's right. right.
5: Yeah. That's
3: right yeah. like, wherever she went, I was right, go, good. okay, mm-hmm. take me that's there.
4: <laughs> wow. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I can say that there's a, mm-hmm. uh, a preacher uh, that transformed the way in which I thought about preaching from just not hooping mm-hmm. because I, I didn't do that well. Right, <laughs> I, I celebrate, yeah. but I, I'm it's, not a hooper. It's a skill, right? <laughs>
5: right. And, it's, and
4: it's actually cultivated in culture. Yes. So if you're yeah. not in a call to re- call and response <laughs> yes, culture, exactly. uh, very very much, it's very difficult to pull that off. Totally. But sure. but Dr. Brian Blunt, who's now the president of Union um, mm-hmm. Seminary, bringing together his 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 knowledge of the New Testament. And uh, framing that homiletically and just his rhythm, Mm. you know, as an academic, Mm. you know, really told me that preaching can be done differently. Mm. And you don't have to, you know, uh, abandon your own cultural heritage, but there, there are innovations that you can actually incorporate in the way in which you You do your work. And so reflecting on myself, my last sermon for me was transformative in the sense that I was doing a pastoral installation for my former student. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there was a subtle pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, that you have because, you know, that the student is sort of looking at you, grading you as if you were grading them. (laughs) And and that becomes a little more uh, uh, daunting of a of a moment but i just mm. felt like it's it's so important to to push the next generation forward and that was one of those sermons that um i think was a handoff sermon mm. you are the next voice mm. you know yeah. and and telling the church that and just saying to them yeah. you know this person has gone through seminary formal training don't treat them like they're wet behind the ears ears yeah. But actually support what they're That's great. Uh, about, right? Mm-hmm. And and um, and so, so that was an important sermon for me in that mm-hmm. respect. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, Reverend Doctor Kenyatta Gilbert and Reverend Doctor Nichelle Goodry, thank you for sitting at the table <laughs> with us.